Pints and Pints Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Pints Podcast. Tights and Pints. Just in my mind. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. Promise that'll all make sense in just a little bit. I'm Return of the Vax, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, Becky Vax, Danielle Radford. Oh, hell yeah. That's I like that. I like that a lot. And guess who's faxed? Faxed again. Lindsay's faxed. Kelka friend. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. <laughs> you threw in Kelka friend. Oh, that made me happy. I mean, it was right oh. there. The fruit was hanging oh. so low, I was speed bagging the apples. I, mean, I thought it was going to be a Backstreet Boys vaccine, but it was just so much more. <laughs> so much more. I love you, Hal. I love oh, you. I love you, too. Let's talk about Trash Bag Gate. In case you didn't know, Mickey James was fired last week. Best endeavored. And this week, she got her stuff mailed back to her in a garbage bag inside a box, which WWE uh, immediately had to spin into damage control mode with Stephanie McMahon apologizing and Triple H saying, we fired who's responsible. Much like Angelina on the Jersey Shore, I also put my things in trash bags sometimes, but you don't do that to other people's things. Also... Why a trash bag and a box? That's just a hat and a hat. You could have just taken the things out of the trash bag, put them in the box, and we wouldn't be in the situation at all. See, my theory was that someone, a low-level employee, had been given the trash bag and said, mail this back to Mickey, please. And the person said, just like this. And the person who gave them the trash bag said, sure, just like this. <laughs> Without anything. And that's how it happened, because I think if I were a low-level employee at WWE... I imagine the company motto is, you know, when I say jump, you ask how high. I would imagine that's very much how shit runs around there. I don't imagine there's a lot of room for initiative. So I just assumed that we were going to fire some low-level grunt whose job it was to act out the orders of assholes. But then they fired a high-level grunt whose job it was to act out the wishes of assholes. And you guys... That's right. Mark Carano (laughs) is gone. I wonder who called him and uh, called him into the hallway to tell him. Uh, <laughs> I imagine it was Johnny Ace. He was like, uh, I have some bad news about budget yeah, cuts. with a cell phone in his hand. Uh, hey, bad news for you. We're going to have to let you go, Mark. I obviously love that the internet's response to this was like, <clears throat> oh, I can't believe they fired Mark. I, the bad internet's response to this qualifier <laughs> is I can't believe they fired Mark Carano when the problem comes right from the top. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not going to fire Vince. And he's pretty near the top. He's pretty up there. See ya. See ya, Mark. You know what the crazy thing is about all of this is Mickey James being legitimately and rightfully upset that she had all her stuff sent to her in a garbage mm-hmm. bag when she left. But oddly, when Duke the Dumpster Drozzy was cut, they sent him all of his things in a really nice mahogany box. <laughs> well, I retire. Goodbye. That's the right <laughs> you, take. That's the right that's take. That's the right I take. Literally yeah, thought she was mind. joking. <laughs> I thought that it was a joke. I, I did like. I did not think it was a joke, but I, I couldn't believe it. Was also wasn't surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Is that weird that I was just like, well, yeah, that's what they, you, that's what they do when they. She didn't go. F- 
and, and not in a justification way, but just that I just was not even slightly Did surprised. Did she go through the bag? Because I, I, the clip I saw was just to say, that's it, and then closed it. Because I assume it was a bunch of cowboy hats, right? In that bag? Do we do we I know what's so. in there? Is Caps. this going to be like the new what's in the briefcase from Pulp Fiction? <laughs> Where we're trying to figure out. I gotta out. know. I got to know. Can we get her on, Julian? Can we can we get yeah, Mickey on please. to go through Immediately. the Immediately. It'll just be like a little treasure hunt like, as she goes through. Yeah. I only know about like when you get fired and they send you off with your things the way they do it in TV shows. So I assume one of them was a picture of her family right up top and the other one was a plant. Um, that's what I assume just from TV. I literally, full of pencils. literally watched the episode of SVU yesterday where Munch retires. <laughs> and even Munch who retired because he had to because he got real old. They made him go with the box, the brown <laughs> box with the lid, and he put a commemorative plate in it and then walked away. And I'm like, that's all yeah. you had? That's all, that's all you had? 25 there? years on the force. Not a stapler? And it all fits in one box. All fits in I know one that's box. not what Richard Belzer uh, sounds like, but I'm still. <laughs> it's me, Richard, Richard Belzer. Belzer. <laughs> what a great impression. He the phone. It sounds like Robert Logan. Oh, can we just do, can we be Bells and Belts from now on? Half wrestling, <laughs> half Richard Belzer. Oh, Richard Belzer retrospective. Yeah, I'm going to pull, can, Julian, uh, I need you to pull all of his selects from the National Lampoon Radio Hour where he would do all his one-liners, his <laughs> different characters. Thank you. When he answers the phone homicide instead of SVU for the first time in his entire mm. career at SVU, but conveniently does it the last time he ever answers the phone. I mean, right in the feelings. Right oh, in the because he came from life, life, came life from on the homicide. streets. Yeah, life on the streets. <laughs> nah. oh. Belts and Be- Welcome to Belts and Bells. <laughs> this is a podcast that discusses Richard Bell's career and wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity it deserves. <sighs> now, Lindsay, you've been very vocal in your desire to have Cesaro in the WWE title picture, and it appears that SmackDown is granting your wish if Cesaro can defeat Seth Rollins tonight as of this recording. It is uh, the year of our Spaghetti Monster 2021. The day is April 23rd. That is when we're recording this. SmackDown has not yet aired. So we don't know if he's going to take the victory there or if they're going to turn it into a cheap triple threat. Regardless, they're going to find some way to have him not win. So even if he wins this match, he's not going to beat Roman, No, he's not the guy. Uh, He's, not, He's the guy. not the guy to beat Roman. While I think he would make a spectacular champion of any stripe, he isn't, and I, even I could admit this, he's not the right guy to take it off Roman. And I also know that they would just never do that. I would have been just as happy to see him get in a feud with his old pal Shamey over over Shamey's belt. I know it's on the different color, but like, hey, who cares? I mean, I don't enjoy the Rollins of it. I'm like, Rollins, you got swung 23 times. That was literally the whole thing. You got <laughs> beat. Stop wearing those stupid ah. suits. Those stupid suits. They hurt my eyes. It's not okay. I assume it's some sort of like visual stimulation for the baby. Like, you know how babies can only see bold patterns? Like, maybe that's why he's doing the suits. <laughs> it's like a baby Einstein licensing extension. I disagree with the suits. I don't know why, but they work for me. They work for me because I hate them. They, yeah. Like, that's why they work. Cause I and that's the point. Hate, I know Of that's course, but point. sometimes it's like, sometimes there's heat and sometimes there's what we used to refer to as X-Pac heat. And so it depends on like... <laughs> There's go away heat. They have yeah. go away heat. For, for me, I'm, there's... Yeah. they're not just like I hate him. I like I hate them so much. It makes me want to like. 
I don't know, go on the H and M website and just look at clothes. Like I, I need to wash my <laughs> Like it's not, it's not good. First of all, it'd be a great match, Cesaro mm-hmm. Reigns. I could care less about the suits. I could care less about the suits. <laughs> Fuck your suits. Good. They've achieved the full spectrum yeah, of reactions exactly. from the three of us, and therefore they are a success. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we know. <laughs> Congratulations, whoever picked those fucking awful suits. I want to believe it's part of his character, but then I remember everything he wore in that pregnancy photo shoot he did with our Lord and Savior Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be her name, yes. But they were both dressed so badly, so badly, that I wanted to call her and be like, you're right. By and large, wrestlers are not fashion plates. By and large, they are by, by and large, and not well dressed. We don't all have. We need to talk to the women brands. about wearing thigh high boots over their jeans every day. Yeah. Every day, it cuts your legs up. It makes your very long legs look very short. Yeah. I don't understand it. We need to talk to the boys about getting their suits from men's warehouse and that <laughs> they don't fit them. But they're gonna it's, love the way they look. It's guaranteed. No, That's a guarantee. That's true. That's true. I've been a fool. I've been a fool. I also think Cesaro would be really well served. Send him up. Have him lose, but but give him some legitimacy, and then send him to feud with Apollo Cruz, and help make his reign. I don't think Cesaro yeah. needs mm-hmm. that title, but I think that the two of them would have spectacular matches. Cesaro could have a good match with anybody. Apollo Cruz, we're now. I think people are appreciating more how great he is in the Thank ring. Thank God. And I think that a feud with someone like Cesaro would really go a long way to help legitimize him. And Cesaro can do that. I think that's what's amazing about Cesaro. You could drop him into any of the current title pictures and he would make it better. You could pair him with someone and have him come in the tags. You could have him go after the Raw title. You could have him go after the US. You could have mm-hmm. him go after the IC. He he would always improve that title picture mm. and would be able to genuinely carry the title if he wanted. Like That's what's so great about him. He's so versatile. And I don't know if I've mentioned it, but I love him. Yes. So, you know. Let's hop around. Let's hop around shows a little bit. Kyle O'Reilly's back on NXT, took on Cameron Grimes, picking up the win in the main event. I don't think I don't think he's the right guy to challenge Karrion Cross. Not with that haircut. <laughs> Loser, <laughs> loser gets a haircut match. <laughs> Either they glue some hair to Carrion's head, mm-hmm. or they just take off the rat tail. You know, from the front it looks fine. I'm being very cruel. From the front it looks fine. It's it's from the back that it's not for me. And I did like his t-shirt this week. Uh, shout out to that t-shirt, which I almost put over, but then it turned out on Instagram it's like a vintage t-shirt that his friend found in 2015, so none of us can have it. And then they got upset about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I don't know if they are going to go that way, but I don't think he takes the belt off cross, so I don't want to stop the Kyle O'Reilly run in its tracks. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about Kushida truly is a time traveler because he went back and uh, he got his bottom half from 2005 and sewed it on to his 2021 <laughs> half. So he's doing this weird like McFly. Like it's, he's, he's got the mullet of gear. I'm McFly on top and 2003 Randy Orton on the bottom. Or John Cena. It's like prototype shorts. Those are nice. early John Cena yeah. prototype shorts he's wearing. He just wanted a little bit more coverage, Hal. More coverage? He was wearing jeans before. Swimsuit season is on its way. Maybe they were like, we want to see you We want to see you in a brief. Mm-hmm. We'd love to see you in something like a brief. Vince and he was legs. like, I can't go full speedo. 
but I'm prepared to engage in the prototype shorts. And they were like, let's let's see it. Vince is like, let me see those legs. I want to do a vascularity check. He wants to see them gams. Can you imagine? He wants to see them gams. If Vince saw Julian at a gym, his head would oh, explode. Those getaway sticks on Julian Burrell. Oh, my God. Oh, getaway sticks. Oh, my God. I want to see them getaway sticks. They get away all the way to the main title. Yeah. That's where they would go. Hold on. <laughs> Young man, do a lunge for me. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And if he's asking you to do a lot of lunges, you need the extra coverage, hence the prototype shorts. Sure. So you've just answered your own question. Huh? Yes. <laughs> answered your own question. I like him as Cruiserweight champion. I'll tell you that. Yeah, me I like too. it a lot. Mm-hmm. Has he always been barefoot? No, he's newly barefoot. Yeah. He's newly barefoot. Bare they made a reference to that on commentary, which I don't care for. Yeah. But I guess he's going for that MMA look with the shorts and the barefoot. I don't. Bare feet, just, they always stress me out. They always, yep. as we learned, there's a good reason that they stress me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We don't enjoy it on the riddle. Didn't enjoy it on the Rusev. Yeah. You just ask him for a stub toe. You just ask him for a stub toe. Begging for it. Begging. Yes. We saw Saray make her debut, beating Zoe Stark in a very good match. A good little face versus face match. And mm-hmm. it looks like Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez is going to be the next challenger to Raquel Gonzalez's NXT Women's Champion. Chip. Oh, I'm Could so not happy. be more excited about that. But also, I mean, look, MVP of the episode, as is always the case, is going to be one or more members of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, this so week good. is a four way tie from Johnny's back of the line, back of the line. And while that's all happening, I still got my eyes on that North American championship. Pause off, thick boy. You lost the takeover. Back in the line for you. How about I just rip off your head right now? In your dreams, if you think you're going to rip off the head of Papa John. Yeah, I love it when you call me Big Papa John. Yeah, yeah. he loves it. And already went and talked to Mr. Regal. And he said the only way that you're getting a title shot against Papa John is if you beat me. Yeah, so get ready for the back of the line. Yeah, back of the line. Sounds good to me, mate. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Yeah. <laughs> to Candace getting the shit beaten out of her by Ember Moon <laughs> and Shotzi Blackheart because Indy was distracted by, De- by Dexter Loomis Ooh. and also Austin Theory is trying to step up. Like, when he picked her up and carried her away, <laughs> I that was great. I lost it. Like I've been thinking about this a lot. Jeff and I obviously spend a lot of time in the house together. I don't know if anyone's noticed. We don't leave it. Um, but uh, we talk we talk a lot about wrestling, and we were talking about factions versus factions. And it was admittedly while watching AEW, and they got a bunch of factions over there, you guys. And then we were talking about why some of those don't work versus why they do work in NXT with the way in particular. It's like when you look at the way. Those four, like, I am not an improv person. I am not a comedian in the style of my two gracious hosts here, who I hope will chime in on this. <laughs> but, like, they are so generous with each other, that foursome. Like, they give each other everything. Like, Johnny and Candace, as the senior members of the troupe, they hand everything over mm. to Indian Austin to make them look great. And I just think the chemistry between them and the way they are so reciprocal with the laughs and with the moments and with the spotlight just makes that group shine so much more brightly than anything else on wrestling for me right now. I love them. Mm. I don't care if they're wrestling or not. I just want them on my screen doing the thing that they do. 
so good. Well, and and because of that, because they are so good and generous with each other, each single one of them has, we feel like we know what their place is. We feel like we know who they are. They're not just a bunch of like, you know, I'm sorry, some of these factions, you know who the leader is and everyone else just feels like backup, whereas the way really feels like um, four individuals who make sense to be together and who all give something to that team. And you can pull them apart and put them in other matches and I still care very much about them. I don't want them to ever break up, but they're all very distinct personalities. And I think that's can be one of the hardest parts of having a faction is making sure that everyone, you know, if you're all going out there and wearing the same T-shirt, like I need to know who you are individually. You know what I mean? To, to add on to that, I think the whole concept of the way is basically a satire of every wrestling stable because they are not particularly successful. Like they've fallen apart immediately. There was no <laughs> long time. run. Every hurdle. They haven't held all the gold. They've lost a bunch. Johnny's really the most successful of all of them. Mm-hmm. A- and yet they still play into a lot of the tropes of what makes a faction work, but because they're who they are and because they're all so good at, you know, who knew Austin theory was that good at comedy. (laughs) He plays stupid so well. Like that's not easy to play. You have to be smart to play stupid and he is really good at it. So just the extent to which they all have so much skill to pull off every role that they have is amazing. And I, I think it serves them to stay together you should always think they're on the verge of breaking up, but they but mm. they're not going to, because they wouldn't even be able to do that right, and it's <laughs> I think refreshing. NXT can do that. Like they did that with UE for a million times. They had Undisputed Era on the edge of breaking up before they took them there. So like I trust them with that storyline. Yeah, how but give the ladies the tag team belts for the love of God? How, give them the belt. How often is the heel the one that gets pulled into a dressing room and gets the the shit beaten out of her? <laughs> I enjoy that. I did enjoy that. Uh, sh- it made me like Ember and Shotzi more too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so lukewarm on the two of them as tag champions. I just I can't. Oh, well, beating Candice is a good way. Like just and Candice, no one gets the shit kicked out of them better than Candice LeRae. Yes. No one Truly. knows. Truly. No one knows how to how to sell those things better. I mean, good lord, can she sell a beat down? The look on her face, she's just sitting there not talking. I know, that was so what was so great. It was like such a sullen, sulky little baby. And yeah. go, like, I don't even want to talk to Indy. I'm so bad about this. Oh. He's like, you guys don't even care. I just got the snot kicked out of me and I'm just sat here. And it's just oh, so magical. So good. Those Disney movie marathons have served that woman well. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. God, we're in danger when all the parks open up. We're going to lose so many. Good- yeah. <laughs> You're going to lose so many. How do I? On Raw, Charlotte is healing it up as much as she ever has. She actually lost to Asuka, and then she breaks off a referee to get suspended. But really, the greatest news about Charlotte is her clapping back at Dave Meltzer Yay! on Twitter, who cannot stop talking about women's appeal. Like, how is that news? What's the news there, Dave? What does that have to do with anything in ring? I have totally made reference to Charlotte's changing features and what she may or may not have done to herself visually before. I have, I have hands up, like I totally have. I would like to believe I have said it in a way that it's a, note, a noticing of it rather than a judging of it. That it's like, oh, it looks like Charlotte had some work done, or it looks like Charlotte, not the boobs, because we all know the boobs, you can't get around the boobs. Like, she's very open about when she has that done. But it's like, you know, her face often looks different. She clearly does do stuff. 
but it's her choice to do that. Like, Dave does not get to come into the world and pass judgment on it and guess why she did it. Like, that's none of his fucking business. Like, to be like, oh, well, she obviously feels terrible about herself, so that's why she's going off to get dental surgery. And it's like, you don't fucking know. You haven't got a clue. She's also signed up to do this movie. Like, maybe she wanted to get dental surgery to put her best face forward for this movie. Uh, I don't remember Davis having a comment about Roman getting his teeth. Roman got new teeth. And I don't remember Dave making a giant point about it. I don't remember him making a point about any of the male members of the roster looking bigger in inverted commas, like remembering what he said about Peyton Royce. Like, fuck you, Dave. When it comes to the women, keep your mouth shut. If it comes to a visual aspect of the women where they have not made a statement about it, don't speculate why it might have happened and maybe keep your mouth shut. We don't go to Dave Meltzer to hear about who's doing what to their bodies. We come to him to have him underrate every match that doesn't take place in Japan. (laughs) I mean, I don't come to him at all. I have him blocked and I have his name muted on the Twitter um, because I cannot have it in, I can't have it in my wrestling fandom. Like it's not allowed to infringe on my enjoyment of wrestling. That man is not allowed in my wrestling fandom. So when it was trending yesterday, and it managed to break through my, my wall of mutings, I knew something was up. Mm. Uh, mm. And thankfully, it was Charlotte kicking his ass. For some reason, when I clicked on it this time, I was like, maybe he did something good. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. I don't know what in the world possessed me to possibly think that it would be something positive. I am so happy that you are in a good mental health space right now. Yeah, Al. you that saw me when my, me when my camera came on. I heard Julia go, oh. <laughs> Whoa. I'm in the Care Bear. You're not feeling your best. Yeah. Danielle looks yeah. like a goddess. Like, today's a great day. Today's a great day. <laughs> T-Bar and Mace have lost their masks and are seemingly aligning themselves with MVP, maybe? Yeah. Can you just be Dominic Dijakovic? Just... And who's the other one? Who's the other one, really? Another fella. Dio? Dio Madden <laughs> was his name. Dio Madden. Dio Madden or uh... Theo Madden? Dio. Dio, Dio, man. None of those. I want Um, them to be themselves. I'm pleased that they lost their masks because now maybe uh, 25 years from now, uh, Triple H and Stephanie could have them go find those masks in one of the worst reality shows I've ever had the privilege of watching. Oh, I want to see that show. I couldn't watch. Oh, it's not good, Hal. Where do I see (laughs) it, though? What is on Hulu? This is the chair that took my memory away. something treasures. Hidden lost treasures? Treasures, lost treasures. What did they find in the first episode? Just give give the elevator pitch, Lindsay, please. The first episode is Mick Foley searching for a Mr. Socko the Mankind vest and uh, his original checkered uh, buffalo check vest, but buffalo plaid chest. But they don't really explain how they immediately go to the people who have these things. They're like, oh, we're going to spend 20 minutes explaining what the show is and saying, how will we ever find these things? And however, will we bring them back to the uh, warehouse in Stanford where we claim we want other people to be able to enjoy um. them, even though we're going to put them in a warehouse in Stanford? Um, and then they just immediately go to the homes of the people that have these things and say, please, can we have them back? And if they're nice, they say yes. And if they're not nice, they say, can I have some money, please? And then the one person who gave them back for nothing looks like a, like a complete chump because the others all got cash and rewards. Uh, and it's, it, it was not good. Mick Foley, obviously a shining, shining beacon of joy. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, woof. So it's National Treasure, but like with WWE stuff. Yeah. Oh. And definitely it was that they weren't planted 
and they didn't definitely 100% know where all these things were before they started the episode. See, th wow. this also feels a little mean because we all know McFoley can't walk. It's a lot of surgeries, man. Like, don't make that man hunt for well, treasure. It's, it's rough because like, you can see him not being able to walk and that makes it very difficult <laughs> to watch. But yeah, it's just like, it's th there was an interesting Mr. Socko history because I'm like, oh, the people who made Mr. Socko is... Guys, it's not good, or I would have put it over. Like, basically, that's <laughs> all you need to know. Oh, no. Speaking of 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 a uh, weird like wrestling ties to reality television, I've since I got Dis uh, Discovery Plus. It's pretty much all I watch. And one show, which I think is on HGTV normally, is called House in a Hurry, where mm. people have to move like for a job or something, and they go. They've been doing a bunch of research with a realtor, and then they go over the course of a weekend, look at like 10 to 12 houses and put in an offer on one. And they film it in real time. So it's not like house hunters where you see them look at a bunch of houses, but they've already been living in the one they bought for like mm. three months. So the <laughs> the episode I watched yesterday, they were moving to Indiana. And the the guy who was their realtor had been a pro wrestler. So he's this big yeah. guy. He's like, he used to be a pro wrestler. Every time I put someone in a house, I say, the champ is home. And at the end, when they were in their house, he came to visit them and he cut a promo. Oh, that's great. On the house. That's pretty great. <laughs> that's that's pretty great. great. It's so good. It was so good. Uh, I have a song for this next bit, this next item. Nope. Nope. When nope. the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars. Then peace will guide the planets, and Sheeta will wrestle on TV. This is the dawning of Sheeta's one match of the year. Sheeta's she one, ma one match of, of the, the year. year. One match of the year. Match of the year. <laughs> Against Ty Conti. <laughs> But I don't want to break down all the things that happened in the women's division. That's Lindsay's job. What else happened in the AW women's division? A fine match, by the way. <laughs> and I know well, it wasn't Sheeta's first match of the year. Everybody calm down. Lindsay's wearing the perfect attire for this segment. <laughs> oh, you're all grumpy snubbed bear. up. Lindsay's back in her uh, grumpy bear care bear onesie, which feels right. It's gray outside. And uh, we are back to one match. Uh, last week's two match break uh that that whole one one week streak of multiple women's matches mm. unfortunately died mm. so yeah one match uh, it was a match between Karoshida and Tai Conti it was a championship match and when they announced it and they were like this match has a 60 minute time limit i burst out laughing uh so that was fun <laughs> that was nice that was nice of them to think of me uh i'm like imagine if it went 60 minutes imagine um it was fine. She does great. Ty Conti, give credit where credit's due, coming on leaps and bounds compared to where she was in WWE. Mm. Uh, whatever they are doing for her in her training at AEW is obviously working far better than whatever they were doing with her training in NXT. Just goes to show, you know, different strokes for different folks. This is bringing out a better side of her work. It's always grading on a curve and I hate to do it because I can't watch NXT on a Tuesday, Hal is now also Grumpy Bear. Uh, for listeners at home, this is great podcasting content. Hal has <laughs> changed himself into a, a picture of Grumpy Bear. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, you can't watch NXT now on a Tuesday and watch really, really good women's action 
and then watch it at AEW and be like, yeah, this is okay. Because she does fantastic. And every week I'm just like, I wish I wish she had someone who was as good as she was. And that's not to knock Ty Conti, who I think acquitted herself pretty well. But it's still like a slower match. You can still see moves being set up. Hmm. I think it was more to set up the Britt Baker challenge at the end than to actually qualify tight and i know they have been using and i know this is something hal likes to talk about a lot with the rankings on mm. AEW and how they use the rankings and they are actually attempting to use the rankings here to make a match that they're like nope brits brits number one in the rankings even though we just saw her lose arguably the most high profile women's match of uh, AEW of all time of all time mm. but she's still number one in the rankings because that match was unsanctioned so it didn't count. Uh, so yay for using the rankings, but also boo for having to get around the rankings to have a reason why she's still number one, even though she lost the most high-profile women's match of all time. <laughs> Which is just a little bit confusing. Just make the match. Um, I think Britt probably wins. I think then we maybe we get Britt Statlander, which could be great too. That could be really fun really fun the, well the issue is the belt needs a a, a mouth the yes. belt the only yep. mouth the belt has had is nyla rose and they didn't give her enough mic time and she's great Doesn't that feel like a thousand years ago it and like does it kind of almost <sighs> never happened because i don't even know what she does now. but she was fantastic on on the mic she's a great yep. promo and i yep. remember thinking oh, boy i wish they would have her do this more because yeah. she's so good at it. Yeah. So I like Nyla a lot. I think her in-ring skill was still growing. I think she was still learning a lot mm -hmm. in-ring. And especially not not even so much as like her talent as a wrestler, but on, on camera wrestler. You know, she's done a bunch of interviews where she talked about how surprised she was that they contacted her and said, Do you want to be part of this? Because she was still, you know, early doors and hadn't done any TV and I think that's a lot of wrestlers on AEW are still learning how to perform to camera. Mm. Like that's what happens when you bring people up from the indies. Like that's still a new skill for them. Um, but yeah, she does arguably the best performer they have. Right. But they don't really give her time on the mic. And her, her promos are great. Her English mm. is fine. It's very WWE where they're like, nah, she's foreign. Let's not do it. Because uh, it's like, I don't know. Her English seems pretty fucking great to me. Better than my Japanese, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think she will probably lose it to Brit. And that will be fine because Brit will be, I think, a great champion. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of people who we're going to see all the time and who don't need any more experience to be good in front of a camera are MJF and Chris Jericho. As the pinnacle and inner circle moves towards their blood and guts match, which we still don't know what it is, but they sure are talking the fuck about it a whole lot. MJF cutting a fire promo. I just want to shout out in particular the line. You stand in front of a bunch of B's so you look like an A. You wrestle a bunch of A's so you don't look like a B. And when it comes to elevating the town around you, Christopher, I'm going to have to give you a big fat F. Great line. So Holy mm -hmm. crap. And Wardlow also very good on the mic. Then, after this is after Jericho's incredible promo the, the previous week, Jericho got back on the mic. His name is little Jacob Friedman Max. His head looks like a troll and that's a fact. He's such a dipshit and you know it's true. I shoved his head down the toilet and flushed it down. 
I gave him a swirly. You know, everybody enjoys having a good time. As someone who's never had a, a sip of alcohol in his life, there is a certain discomfort being around people who are so drunk that they seem to be lacking some basic facilities. And that was the energy I got off of Jericho the deeper he got into his promo. Then at like the end, it was like he went into a fugue state and snapped off really great lines. But there's a lot in there that made me very concerned. I would love to think it was a performance of a man who came to the ring inebriated mm-hmm. um, and managed to somehow make his eyes look real red and unfocused. Um, I don't know. I, I watched it and was alarmed. And that was my first reaction was a wrestling reaction to be like, this is trash. This is absolute trash. And then the longer it went on, I was like, oh, is he okay? Yeah. And now the further and further away I come from it, the more concerned I am because like, if that was legit, if that was for real, him coming to the ring, not okay. A, that's dangerous for everyone, including himself. Because yeah. what if someone, what if he had busted a move on someone? What if he had like done something? Like what if he had tripped? What if he had hurt? And I don't know. I'm speculating because I don't know. Um, but I'm concerned for him and I am deeply concerned for everyone at AEW if that is the case and he came out in that state. Because uh, I'm like, correct me if I'm wrong, but did we not do a storyline where those good Christian boys were like very concerned for their supposed alcoholic friend, and like they made that a whole storyline? But now they've got a guy coming out on TV, seemingly a couple of drinks in, couple of drinks in. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's the case, I have to put this proviso around it because maybe it was the world's best performance of someone who was a little bit too drunk to do their job. For what purpose? I don't know, but. I, it made me very concerned. Um, the look on poor Sammy Guevara's face made me very concerned. Danielle, any thoughts there? Nope. No thoughts from Danielle. Head empty. It's just like, I don't want to speculate on whether somebody was yes. or was not. But I, I, the, the promo was not one that I enjoyed. I will say that it was not enjoyable for me. I just don't think, I think that he tried to do that little show tune thing and I don't, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't work at all, and it went on way, way, way too long. And it wasn't for Danielle Radford. Yeah. If you have anything to say about what we've discussed so far, the conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. When we come back, we're going to talk about our wrestling comfort foods. And there may or may not be some sandwiches involved. <laughs> That's up next on Tights and Fights. Max Fun Drive 2021 is coming. It'll be May 3rd to May 14th. To get in the spirit, we asked folks like you to let us know what Maximum Fun and our shows mean to them. You know, the the Maximum Fun Network is really important to me because it is not just a collection of podcasts, but it is a lifestyle and a value system. The podcasts frequently and deftly float between meaningful and irreverent, in one moment drawing attention to social issues, and in another making dick jokes about Klingons. It shouldn't work, but it does. And I have to believe it's because Max Fun's podcasts are, at their core, thoughtful and kind and human during a time that has often felt cold and isolated. So keep being great and doing what you do. Max Fun Drive will be May 3rd to May 14th, 2021, and you won't want to miss it. 
brilliant apps, drive exclusive gifts, and maybe some surprises. Want to directly support the hosts of the show we just jumped into? Come back May 3rd for Max Fun Drive. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. This week, we're going to give one corner of the wrestling world some extra attention. This is our main event. Do we cut the my hole? I don't use it every time, Hal. We need to sporadically space these things out to make sure that every week is a surprise. I just want to know which ones make it, in, like, who's in the solid lineup and then who's just a rotating guest. That's I'm going to get, like, a dozen every single, like, every week we'll have a new person to just kind of, who, who's going to be the constant? Who's going to be the new person? You'll never That's know. True. Next week it's going to be excited. like, is it a swelly? It'll, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be great. As much as we love, <laughs> love no, no, no. Don't cut that out. As much as we love wrestling to take us through every kind of emotion, it can also be the best sort of medicine to make us feel better. So we're going to get into some of the best wrestling comfort food. Is there a single match that you would turn to and say, this is my ultimate comfort food? Oh, for sure. It's definitely got to be Bailey Sasha Brooklyn. I'm one of those people where it's like if I want to cry or if I'm already like in a cry place Mm -hmm. or just exhausted or just like I want to feel something. um, I I, I like watching things that I know will make me cry. It's so weird to like have like a different reason to do something like it takes it away from me. And it's like my body wants to purge myself of all of these emotions. So I'm going to give it something to point it to. And that one is just like. Ooh, it's a great match. Obviously, it was match of the year that year in a lot of places for some really fucking good reasons. It's one of those matches where, for me, and this is going to sound so weird as someone who loves wrestling, a lot of action scenes, they're cool. But like, if the action itself isn't telling the story, I get very out of it. And there's a lot of like older things where it's like, okay, well, the story of this is just like sword, 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 sword that does nothing for me. Whereas if you take something like a John Wick, it's like, oh, even if he's doing all this crazy stuff, there's still like, you know, there's a story in the movements. Like it's like, this is the pencil bit. This is the, uh, I'm on a horse for no good goddamn reason shooting people bit. Um, But each one of them feels like the bodies in the action are are telling the story. And sometimes that happens with wrestling for me, where it's like, I need a story of the match. And, And that had it, and it had it in spades. And it wasn't just everything they built up, but it's also just the way that they're telling the story with their bodies, um, you know, working, uh, working different parts of each other, things like that, um, going above and beyond what anyone I will that move where Sasha goes from the outside by like jumping over the ref is like an all time top 10 thing to see. Um, and then at the end, you get all those really good feelings of like, hey, we were both here and we did this here on the stage. Uh, and then you get the four horsewomen and then you get the crying. And that's where, you know, 
it's just a, oh, it's a warm, fuzzy blanket. Just a really just nice comfort. So that would be if I'm doing just one match that gets me there, then that's it. And then I have a run. But I'll talk about that when we get there. Lindsay? I, unlike Danielle, am British and do not care for my feelings. <laughs> um, so I don't wish to encourage them. You sick, sick person. <laughs> like, why, why would you want to feel worse? Push them down, Danielle. Push them down so far <laughs> you that you're feel. standing on them and they can no longer hurt you. And they definitely <laughs> won't come back and get you another time. I have, I guess a lot of my wrestling comfort food is largely nostalgia related. So I'll either go back to stuff that I watched as a kid that I loved or um, just kind of a little bit in touch with feelings, which shows I have done some therapy. Uh, I like to watch pay-per-views and events that I was at because watching stuff that I was at, even if it's not that great or even if it wasn't like the best thing I've ever been to, it allows me to re-access the feelings I felt while I was there. Because there is something so cathartic about attending a wrestling event and feeling the same feelings as Mm. several thousand other people at the same time, which is kind of wild. And I guess why people go to church? I don't know why they would do that when you could just go to wrestling. You don't have to feel nearly as guilty. Like, they don't make you feel... I mean, you should feel bad about yourself, but they don't make you feel bad about yourself. (laughs) It's great. It's like the anti-church. It's fantastic. But yeah, I I love to watch... uh, Obviously, WrestleMania 30 is the big one. like it's just a whole bunch of hours of me being able to feel okay with whatever's happening on my screen while I'm doing the other thing that I'm doing. Um, Survivor Series 2011 is one because that was just such, I mean, it's, it's so personal, but I'm like the show was fun, but it was such a fun night for me at the time. And then also um, Tables, Ladders, Chairs to 2012, 2012 was the same. That mm. was at Barclays Center and I was at that one. And um, that was just super, super fun. I remember Punk came out because Punk was injured and he came to the back uh, of the crowd to shout and do a, cut a promo. And he was stood right behind us. And it was so exciting for me because I was like, I love you still, but not for much longer. Uh, so I like to uh, remind myself of those happier times. Yeah. I For me, there are, there are definitely a few matches. So I have to pick one. It would be the Punjabi prison. Just kidding. My, my number one... <laughs> My number one uh, comfort food match is uh, Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage from WrestleMania 3. But the champion still in control now. A small package by the dragon. I still remember, I wasn't there live for that one, but I did go to the Philadelphia Spectrum with my parents to watch it on closed circuit. So I just craned my neck up at the scoreboard and watched it. And I was a huge Steamboat fan. I mean, it's, you could make an argument for it being the greatest match of all time. And it's my personal favorite. I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. And it it's every beat of it is pitch perfect. And if I close my eyes right now, I can still play a bunch of the sequences through in my head. So it's always of a comfort to me. But I want to stray from matches as cover food. I want to talk about 
the actual food you eat. Do you have like a go-to meal when you're going to watch wrestling? Because I developed a menu when I was in high school watching pay-per-views that <laughs> is still like my go-to. Okay, well, that's amazing. <laughs> my go-to comfort food just anyway is like pasta, like put some spaghetti and meatballs into my body sure. if I ever want to feel better. But of course, that's really hard to do. I think that's hard to watch wrestling and just like eat a bowl of like fresh pasta. <laughs> it's such an awkward thing because like you want to cheer and you want to do stuff, but then you've got this bowl of pasta that you're thinking of. Um, so <laughs> I, have, I have converted that into like pizza is a big one if I'm gonna watch, like if I'm having like a pay-per-view because wrestling is on every night. A uh, baby can't eat pizza every night. But um, if I'm doing my comfort thing and I'm just uh, uh, letting it all go and just saying, I'll deal with this pizza problem when I'm in my 50s. Um, <laughs> I don't have to worry about that now. I'm young, I'll live forever. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I'll start, uh, yeah, like a, a pizza and a wing situation. Mwah. Just like, I think it's from all those times I had to watch wrestling at Hooters. Like, I'm not even kidding. I think like they did something where it just became like, it's gotta be wings, it's gotta be pizza, get a little bit of that in me. And that's like, perfect. It's Pavlo for you at this point yeah. you have no choice yeah it's just your response you see the pay-per-view logo come up and you gotta order that wing stop that's right yeah, yes gotta order that wing stop for sure what about you Lindsay? what's your i don't have a particular food i am a snack monster mm. i am a human that cannot control their intake of food mm. uh, and i have zero willpower and I would live on appetizers and snacks forever if it were okay which I think it is, yeah. which I think it yeah, might be. It but society yeah. fights me on this. Um, and it's a constant struggle. But I, w I will just snack forever, snack forever. Uh, love a wing, love a wing myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I have equal opportunities, sweets and savory. Like literally anything I can put in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> during wrestling is like, it's a graze situation. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. <laughs> so I like to be prepared and have a lot of choices because if you eat too much like Sour Patch Kids, you got to move in with the ruffled chips like afterwards at some point bounce to balance that out. That's just we got it. You got to Yeah, I'm not a big drinker during wrestling. Like I do drink, but I don't like to drink during wrestling. I like a nice soda or a seltzer during wrestling. I don't think being drunk adds to my enjoyment. It makes it more confusing. <laughs> uh, I like to have my faculties about me and just be on a nice sugar high. But I will say a friend of mine whose little boy has just got into wrestling in a big way in the last year. Shout out to Leo and Sam, uh, who are, I guess Sam is unwilling because he's a younger brother, but <laughs> Leo is all about his wrestling. They have a pizza rule now. So if there is a pay-per-view on, it immediately is a pizza choice. So more votes for pizzas. And that kid is now locked in. I've tried to explain to his mother that he's now locked in for the next 67 years of his life. <laughs> he's going to have to order a pizza every single time there's a wrestling pay-per-view on. And his future partner will not appreciate what his mother has done to him. But it's fine. It's allowed. <laughs> this is what I love to have. I'm fucking excited it's, about this. I'm going to sit back and get, get my coffee because like, oof. It's, it's I don't serious. know if anybody else will like it. I don't know. I like seedless rye bread. And then in between the bread. And I don't do mustard. I, no. This yeah. is it. Turkey, ham, corned beef, roast beef, tomato. And then you load the plate up with Doritos and you have Clausen dill pickles on the side. You can vary up the drink. Could be apple juice. Could be fruit punch. Could be lemonade. 
maybe water if you're, I mean, if, you know, if nothing else is available. You can put your head on a toilet. I had it a lot watching all of the mid-90s, early to mid-90s pay-per-views when I was in high school. And it is just, it's just the meal I like to have. And I can't explain it. Are there multiple sandwiches? Sure. It'll happen a couple times. Yes, question? Yes, I do have a question. Yes. So no mustard, but also no mayo or other kinds of dressing, a butter no perhaps? Or anything? Correct. Let all those dry meats get to know one another in your mouth and stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it does sound like a lot of meat. Like it's a lot of different. Oh, I've yeah. never tasted anything where that many meats have come to the same party at the same time. That's very good. But I'm curious. Guess what, Arby? <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. You think you have the meats? Make that sandwich. Cowards, they and send it to me. Or... I'm hungry. I'm hungry, <laughs> damn it. I know wrestling is a, an escape for for every... All for, forms of pop culture, in some ways, are, are an escape. Hmm. Wrestling in particular, because it's so heightened and so, you know, so melodramatic. But it's been impossible for them over the past 14 months to escape what's been happening in the world. They figured out a way to sort of bring crowds back. And this is without the live people who don't know how to, that the mask covers your nose on AEW or the people at WrestleMania who didn't realize you were supposed to wear a mask while you're screaming with people near you. To what extent has that lack of of a crowd, not having the complete wrestling experience when you watch it on television, has that has that made it harder for either of you to escape into it? It, it reminded me a lot of those episodes of Glee where it's like, for some reason, you have to practice this in the empty auditorium. Like, OK, well, I guess I'll just start singing, you know, right on my parade to one dude. Um, like it's very it's a very specific reference. Um, it very much had kind of that vibe to me and it did feel weird. But the human ability to cope with change, um, I, I have definitely learned how much that expands now and how you can get used to a new status quo. Um, because it didn't ruin it for me. Um, it was people doing their big raw entrances where there was no one there. That was one where I was like, you got to frame this. Cause at first they didn't, they were still doing everything the way that they normally did it without a crowd. And it's like, no, you got to stop framing this so that I can see all of the empty. And I can see this person putting everything out for what essentially looks like a dress rehearsal. Like mm-hmm. you have to meet us halfway on that but i feel like everyone caught up on it pretty quickly and so it didn't affect my inability and then after that i just became like a scold like where's your mask where's your mask you people in the audience where's your mask put it on so then that was it but it didn't ruin wrestling for me i should say i just had a lot of words to say nothing i'm so fucking good at that (laughs) welcome to podcasting fucking talent (laughs) as much as danielle claims she said nothing same i think so much of wrestling depends on your willing suspension of disbelief and there was a small period of adjustment where you had to adjust your disbelief in a different way uh, while they figured it out but humans it turns out super adaptable uh, and if you want your wrestles you're going to get over it and and go with it and I wanted my wrestles because I needed my wrestles Uh, it's been a rough year I needed that escapism Uh, And I think the reason wrestling works as escapism is because it is such an assault on your senses Mm -hmm. and it is so fully immersive and you can 
pick and choose which parts you want to engage in. You can just watch the show and walk away. You can follow everyone on social media and play that game. You can watch the reality shows and play that game. Uh, you can engage with the fandom on social media. Like There are so many levels of wrestling fandom that you can choose to engage with and immerse yourself in one way or another. Sometimes whether you like it or not, if you're on if you're on the internet, sometimes they come for you, <laughs> uh, which is nice, even though you didn't ask them to. I think that's what makes it such a successful form of escapism. And I think to say it doesn't work for me now, people who say that, I find it kind of funny because I'm like, guys, it's, it's, it was op- it was always optional and it's not real. So you can either choose to go with it. Or you can say it doesn't work for me and you can choose not to. But you shouldn't really be getting mad at it. Mm. Um, which I think is, is a funny response. Um, yeah, so for me, it's been... It's been I, I'm so impressed with the way they've dealt with it. I'm so impressed with the way... WWE in particular, who arguably had more of a Titanic to turn around. You know, AEW was still so young. It was still so new. They were able to go to the Dailies Place format very quickly WWE had to literally turn around a fucking cruise liner on a dime. Uh, and and they did it without hit. Well, I say without hitting an iceberg. They grazed it. They grazed it. But I, I think it was I think it was an impressive readjustment of the business model hmm. from a business perspective, apart from firing people and putting their things in trash bags. Yeah, as as someone who loves sports, one of the things that has been a balm during this time is having them come back. The NBA bubble, as weird as it was, I was so grateful to be watching sports again. It felt normal. I don't miss a Sixers game this season, even the really the three really bad ones they played recently. Like it we feels watched normal. So again. much baseball in this house. I'm like, it is, a- <laughs> yeah. it is April, sir. Why am I watching a twelfth inning at eleven thirty at night? between the fucking Dodgers and the Padres in April, sir, and I don't even understand baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening? Why am I watching grown men play rounders? It's so much. It's too much. It's too <laughs> I was going to say, it's basically just rounders. There is something to, even if I was concerned that it was still happening in terms of, of wrestling still being broadcast, that meant something to have that. And any company that was doing it, AEW... WWE, any, anybody who was able to pull off wrestling, it meant something to have to have that. It's still an escape, even if it's a weird escape, even if it's not the way it was. So I agree with, with both of you. That bizarre WrestleMania last year will stand out in history because, because of the time that it happened, and they figured out how to do it anyway, and it's not going to be watchable in the same way. Part of it will. The Cena, the Cena-Wyatt match, will, I think, will be timeless. Yeah, and that and the Undertaker AJ Styles match too, were both really good. They were pre-taped, so that was a maybe fortunate side effect of the the extraordinary circumstances. But just to have it there, that that was the comfort that it existed and it was mm-hmm. there to watch, and you could feel how you felt about it, and even to criticize criticize it or say I didn't like this, that felt normal, right? And I think it really made some people work a little bit harder and find a well of creativity that they wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah. Would we have such a successful heel Bailey if she had had a crowd to work against? We don't know. Maybe, maybe she would have been even better, but we don't know. No. Uh, I think one of the defining moments for heel Bailey for me 
was when she started coming out heckling the crowd that wasn't there. Mm. Like, that was hilarious <laughs> when she would come out and be screaming and pointing at the crowd. I'm like, there's nobody there. This is very funny. Uh, and I'm like, that was a great moment of it for me to see the people that thrived in that environment and were able to um, adapt and, and move their character along to work with it as opposed to the people who did seem to kind of flounder without the crowd reaction and response. It's, it's, it's interesting. Mm. What's your wrestling comfort food, listeners? Tell us all over our social media. You know where we are. It's in the show notes. When we come back, we've got three things from the world of wrestling that you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. This week, we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. I'll take another three count. Yeah. It's the twelfth count. Keep going. <laughs> thing is just the one two three yeah danielle what do you want to put over uh i was on a podcast i know it's weird i there are other wrestling podcasts i know it was it was very weird to be in because i was like you're not hal um (laughs) so i was on um luke fair has a podcast called rebooking the territory wherein essentially you rebook something um that was like a big thing and of course i got uh rebooking the later incarnations of the four horsemen because we all know what a scholar i am about wcw oh sure <laughs> mid to late 90s wcw is your bag yeah that's uh, that's danielle territory right there maybe but no it was really fun and he was he was great and so we just kind of went through what some possible storylines were i didn't do too bad if i should say so myself so if you all want to go and check that out it's called rebooking the territory and it was uh it was a lot of fun and i don't normally put myself over but i didn't have anything else this week so i was like oh i'm gonna put myself over look at me taking yeah. time yeah you are <laughs> yeah I do. everybody go listen to that Lin- Lindsay. La, 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 Lindsay. Uh, la 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 Lindsay uh also didn't have anything to put over for no real reason other than she didn't give a book uh. but i i then i was gifted then i was gifted by the internet um with some pictures of wrestlers and their cats. Oh. And it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So it was nice to see some new cats. Kevin Owens has uh, another, a recent addition, if you haven't caught up with that cat. They've got a new cat, which was nice to see. Um, if you watched e- uh, NXT this week, you'll know that Io Shirai, also a cat person, 
uh, and posted a picture of herself with her adorable cat, uh, which was nice. Lovely to see her supporting the black cats of this world because black cats are harder to mm. house and uh, rescues tend to be full of black cats because people, two reasons, people still think they're unlucky, which is fucking dumb. And also uh, they don't photograph as well. And a lot of cats are rescued now via social media and via websites and black cats are harder to photograph. So that's another reason why black cats don't get adopted. So if you're looking to adopt a kitty, please think about a black kitty. I had a black kitty and she was the most adorable, sweet cuddle bun I've ever known. She was back in England and she's sadly no longer with us. That's not, I didn't just like get rid. Yeah, uh, so adopt a black cat like Io Shirai. And also uh, if you're not already aware, AEW champion Kenny Omega. Well, I had a dream about that I went to a pool party with him and I nearly put that over. But then I thought, that's weird. Don't do that. It was a lovely time, but it wasn't really a pool. It was Silver Lake Reservoir and my stepdad was there and my second ever boss and it was so confusing. But anyway, he was a lovely, friendly, fun person to go to a pool party with. I recommend him. Uh, he also has a cat. Uh, he has a Siamese cat called Dobby, uh, which also outs Kenny as a Harry Potter person, mm -hmm. which I found fascinating. Uh, so do go to his Instagram and check out uh, Kenny and Dobby because it's, it's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. So wrestlers and cats, send me more information about wrestlers that have cats. I would like to know them and support their work. Thank you. I'm coming out of left field here, which now Lindsay will appreciate extra because of all the baseball she's been watching. I was going to put over a few different things, and then I realized, hold on. Do you know what happened this week? Something very special. Our good friend of the show, RJ City, was uh, with David Arquette talking to a couple of the guys behind The Muppets and explaining to them why wrestling is like The Muppet Show. And it's such a great, you know, R RJ, who for whatever reason has the exact same pop culture reference library that I do, like <laughs> hit that, using that as a, it's such a great parallel for pro wrestling and the way he describes it is so so brilliant that I took a friend of mine who does not like wrestling but is like a, a Muppet fiend and made sure that he saw it. Like, maybe this will help explain it to you a little bit. Here's a clip. So so when did you start getting into wrestling? Well, what, and you're you're from Canada, right? Uh, yes, I live in Toronto. And I don't... Oh, I love Toronto. It's very nice. It's like a stunt double for New York. If you're uh, driving very fast, you're like, this is New York. But if you pause it, you're like, this is not New York at all. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't remember never wanting to wrestle. It was literally wrestling and The Muppet Show for me, wow. which through the years I've realized are the exact same thing. <laughs> it, there are, yes, I have to agree with you. There are some similarities. Yes. Uh, oh, well, so, so is, is yeah. Vince McMahon Kermit or something in a weird way holding He's everything together? Jim Henson. It's a family. <laughs> the son is involved. This is how it works. <laughs> it's all this, and it's also the same where it's like it's a show, but things happen backstage and that right. they affect the show. It's all, and everyone comes out and has kind of their own gimmick and yeah. their own act. And sometimes right. there will be guests. And also it, it's implied that things will always go wrong. Right. Right. There's this yep. impending doom, even in the most fun way possible. You know, <laughs> yeah, really none of this will through. work. Yeah. yeah. It's through. Yes. Any chance to put over RJ, you know, we're all going to take it and run <laughs> with it. That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk and Danielle Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin, who you can find on social media at Hal Lublin everywhere. 
And also, you can see me in the Thrilling Adventure Hour, all new this Saturday, so today at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Go to houseseats.live for more info, and it will be available for a little while after, too. So if you can't make it today, come tomorrow. It's all new. It's fun. It's worth your time. Danielle? How is that house seats or house seats? It's house seats. I wish it was my site, but it's not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't it know. Because every time I like, hear it, I'm like, is it house seats or house seats? We should make you a house seat. Uh, you deserve <laughs> it. It's just chairs um, in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me. I'm, you know, I'm, I work for uh, Screen Junkies. You can find me. I am one of the writers of the Honest Trailers. Go watch those. Find me at Danielle Radford on Twitter and at Danielle underscore Radford at uh, Instagram. Some of you have found me on TikTok, which I think is amazing because I've done nothing. I literally just camped on my name. I mean, I don't even know if I got my name right. Whatever. Um, if I got like my, I, I'm never on there. And that is how you can tell that I am an old, old lady. But thank you all for joining me on TikTok, where I will try to be in the future, like a young. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay. Um, you can also follow me on social media at Lindsay Kelp. You guys, my Instagram follow account keeps like being on a nice round number and then dipping down below it and then going back up and dipping down below it. And it's like, I can't. I cannot live this way. So if just enough of you could go and follow me on Instagram at Lindsay Kelt, that it stays on the nice round number, that's really going to help out my mental health because it's a lot. It's a lot for me to deal with. So yeah, just at Lindsay Kelk on social media. That's where I am. I'm supposed to be writing a book. So sure as shit, you can find me on the internet instead. And Cinders and Sparks is out now. Out now. It's behind me. There's a there's a little book right behind my head on, on this video feed that you can't see. But it's out. It's out now. So please buy it for your children because they need books. Um, you're, you're making them watch wrestling. Wash it down with a book. Wash it down with Cinders and Sparks and I will be eternally grateful. Our producer Julian Burrell has two shots plus two weeks and a new lease on immortality. Look for him on his national gym tour. That's coming soon. <laughs> Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to all of those are in our show notes. And if you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all of your friends. Thank you so much. Extra to the Max Fund members who make the show possible with their recurring monthly contributions. Buy our t-shirt if you want to support us otherwise and support your skin with protection and beauty. We'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling. Ties and Bites Podcast Ties and Bites Brah! That's how I end everything. I am Hercules Mulligan. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.